This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 336. And the quote of the day is from Jim Rohn, who said, Big achievements come one small advantage at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's up, boys and girls? How you doing? This is Nick Ruffini, and this is session 336 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, or sort of new to the podcast, I want to let you know that there's 336 of these episodes. Only the last 300 show up on iTunes, but I get a lot of people who ask me, hey, have you had this person? Have you had, have you had that person? I get a lot of requests for a lot of the same people. But it turns out that I've had a lot of those people already. So if you dig back into the catalog, there's interviews back there with Steve Gadd and Dugu Chancellor, two for, with Stanton Moore, Eric Hernandez, Bruno Mars. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's 320 some of them. So there's some amazing interviews back in that back catalog. If you want to check those out, the easiest way is to find them on iTunes, but iTunes only has the latest 300. And if you want to get deeper than that, you're going to have to use another podcast app. I don't know why it does that, but you have to use a different podcast app or you can find them all at drummersresource.com. And while you're there, sign up for the, the, uh, the mailing list and I'll send you a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations. It's 11 creative exercises that I put together to help you with your speed, your chops, your independence, all that stuff. And you can get that 100% free. And if you dig the podcast, if you've been listening for a while, I ask that you support it by going to drummersresource.com forward slash support. And you can support it a dollar a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. It brings you to a Patreon page and you can support it there and you can get some exclusive all access to some other things as well. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Now let's get into this conversation. This is with Elijah Navarro and he is the head of product at Promark. And full disclosure, Promark is a sponsor of the podcast. They do support the podcast. They keep it free for everyone. But I wanted to have him on because there's so much information about drumsticks that maybe a lot of people don't understand about tip, taper, length, you know, how the material, how that affects everything, what forward balance would be, what rear balance would be, how they develop new drumsticks, why they develop new drumsticks, all of that stuff. And we also talk about a new product that they have called fire grain technology, which they heat temper a drumstick to make it harder without adding any new material. So there is a, there, it, this is pretty dense with a lot of information, it, it, anything that you need to know about drumsticks, how they're made, which drumsticks are right for you. All of that stuff is all covered in here. And Elijah knows his stuff. Let me tell you, this dude is in it deep and he answers every question that I have very in depth and has just, like I said, a ton of knowledge about drumsticks. So I thought it'd be great to bring him on, talk about it and spread that knowledge to you guys. And I, I figured it would add a lot of value to you, the listener. So I hope you enjoy it. I'd love feedback. If you dig this kind of stuff, I'd like to get more people on to talk about how they're making the instruments that we love so much. So again, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and only Elijah Navarro. Elijah, what's happening, my man? Thank you for doing this. Hey, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Appreciate it. How are you? I'm good. Every single time 
I have one of these conversations. So I've done 300 and some of these. And every time I start it the same exact way. And I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean to do it. And I brought this up before. I just auto, it like, it's, I go on autopilot for like the first five seconds. I'm always like, Hey, insert name. Thanks so much for doing this. I don't know. <laughs> That's I, cool. That was keeps it consistent for the listeners. I yeah. guess, man. But it's, it's, it sounds, it sounds uh, insincere and disingenuous, but I do really, <laughs> I really do appreciate you being here. <laughs> Well, I know you, and I know that uh, you're sincere about that. So don't worry about <laughs> oh, cool, me. Cool, <laughs> cool. Uh, this is great to chat with. You. I mean, I always, you know, we always we run into each other at Nam or or something like that. But I've never actually got to sit down and have a really in depth conversation with you. So this is great. Um, so t- so at Promark, you are what? You're the you're the head of product for Promark. Yep. So I'm the Promark product manager. Yep. So okay. I manage the brand, the product, and then the business in the 120 countries that we represent. Okay, so what does that mean? Like, what do you, what would you say you do here? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so everything from product ideation, um, you know, developing the actual product, uh, conceiving the ideas, working with the team to um, develop other conceived ideas by other people on the team, and then once once we've arrived um, at an idea that's viable and we know we'll solve a problem in the market. Uh, and therefore is market driven, um, we'll take that product and then we'll develop uh, a campaign with our creative team and we'll decide how exactly we'll communicate the key, um, the key things, excuse me, the key, um, points that consumers care about and players will care about. Uh, and then we wrap that up into a nice campaign, develop how we'll, how we'll, we'll shoot it and what it will look and feel like. Uh, and then, of course, we build the strategy, the go-to-market strategy, uh, to get the product sold through the retail channel in the various markets uh, that were distributed, and that touches about 120 countries. So, um, wow. that's that's the the product development side of it. So, the testing and the R and D that's all done with our internal team here. And then, of course, um, actually making the product is another angle or the another side of my gig, which is. Um, we have two teams, right? One at the sawmill in Tennessee, the other in Houston at the drumstick factory. And um, those teams are responsible for manufacturing the product to our stringent tolerances uh, and meeting our quality control standards. So I oversee that as well. And then managing the business. Um, so that means, you know, managing the customers who buy the product from us, managing the prices they pay and, um, you know, managing the market street prices and just generally um, overseeing how how to increase our business uh, around the globe. So I'm guessing that listeners are sitting here going, man, that sounds like an amazing job. And I agree that that does sound like an amazing job. So how did you get there? How did you, what, did you have a, I mean, do you have, you don't have to have sort of an engineering degree or anything like that. I'm guessing it's more product, product management and project management. Um, how did you end up at Promark? Yeah, sure. Good question. So um, I, I come from a traditional sales background. Um, I went to school not for music. I went to school for business management mm-hmm. and uh, in New York on Long Island here. And um, I came into the company actually in more of a sales um, kind of customer service hybrid model or, or, or position. And I actually worked my way through the ranks here at Daddario to eventually take over uh, the brand Promark. So cool. um what, what sometimes happens is, you know, people will come from other industries or other companies within the music industry uh, and then kind of assume a product manager role. The Daryl is a little different in that to succeed here, you really got to know 
um, you got to be well-rounded. You got to kind of be a Renaissance man or woman uh, to succeed and thrive in this environment at Dario because it is a very cross-functional, um, cross-departmental um, role in that you're literally working with mechanical engineers, information engineers, um, you know, industrial engineers from the production side. And then you're also working with very, very smart uh, marketers and, and branding uh, experts as well as graphic, the graphic artist team. Um, and so the, the job is, is kind of multifaceted in nature and to succeed, you know, you got to understand the processes and the systems that are specific to the Dario while having a pretty well-rounded, um, kind of understanding of business and music as a player. Um, and then how to kind of connect, connect the dots, which can be tricky, mm -hmm. but again, coming up through the ranks, you, you take it slow and steady one bite at a time and, you don't assume the corner office on your first day <laughs> right. and you pay your dues, you know? Yeah. And I, there's always a, there's always seems to be like this disconnect when you're looking at an industry that you really want to be in. Right. So if you're thinking, uh, how do I get to be, you know, the director of sales for an insurance company? If you're not that into the insurance, for some reason, we have this ability to figure that out. But when we look at, you know, the <laughs> drumming business or the music business, it's this crazy thing where, where it seems like it's this impenetrable wall. And so I have right. no idea how I could get, well, you do it just the same way you do it with any other gig. You apply for jobs and like you said, right. you get in, you work your way up and, and you know, that's, that's the way it happens. Well, yeah, yeah that's right, Nick. And you know, what I can tell you is I'll give you a, a really funny short story. And that is um, I wanted to work, I know I wanted to work in the music industry, and I always did as a musician, as a performer, as a songwriter, producer, engineer. So I kind of came from more of the production side of music and then wanted to get in um, on the manufacturing side of the industry and the business end of um, bringing products to players that enhance their ability to kind of connect to their moment, their musical moment, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And so kind of my passion grew and developed into that I didn't even know I had a passion for it until I started scratching kind of the surface of what this whole product management um, kind of business had to offer. So when I wanted to get into this side of the industry, I, I identified a few companies that I wanted to work for. And Dario was kind of top of the heap, right? Top of the list for me. Mm -hmm. And so I had met um, the vice president of marketing and sales probably 11 or 12 years prior to this aha moment that I wanted to switch gears and get into this industry. So I kept that business card for literally almost a decade or plus. And when I had this moment of realization, kind of this epiphany, if you will, that I wanted to switch gears, I literally wrote an email a week to this person for five months. Let me say that again. I wrote an email a week for five straight months to this person that I met over a decade ago and pestered him until he eventually took me in for an interview. And I knew once I got the interview and I got in front of um, the people that can make some decisions that I would, I would excel in that environment. Mm -hmm. And so I was relentless in my, uh, my nagging, if you will. Right. And the, and then that, that ended up working out in my favor. <laughs> you do know, you, you do realize you're going to get hundreds of emails now from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> it's it's something to it speaks to that to that consistency and the idea of you know it, you can even for this podcast right so I've done th whatever three hundred and 
40 or 50 interviews, something like that. And right. some of these interviews are literally take a year to line up and it's email after email. I've sent thousands and thousands and thousands of emails, <laughs> right. you know, and it's, it's that consistency and the people who don't want it and the people who don't want to, you know, put in the work and don't want to have that consistency, they give up. And that, that's great because that clears the way for guys like you and I. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm fortunate for that. And it's it's just I don't know I I think about that that people want things quickly and they're like well I send them an email it's like <laughs> okay right. you know I I've, I actually have ended up sort of the same uh, situation where I met um, you probably know Tim Shahady do you know Tim from Pisty? Um I, I actually don't know Tim no 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 he's he's no. been there for you know twenty years probably at least but I got okay. a I got a scholarship from him when I was in or from Pisty when I was in college and. Oh, cool. Literally, I kept in touch with him, and literally 13 years later, I saw <laughs> you know I saw him at Nam. Was like, hey, remember? Yeah. He's like, yeah, of course. Bro. And he's like, where are you living now? I said, oh, I live in Hoboken. And he goes, oh, my buddy just started a company, a drum company there. And he, and the guy walks around the corner. Here he is. He introduces me to him, and oh. now he and I, uh, his buddy Dave and I, are business partners, best friends. You know, right? And it's like a 13 year relationship that you foster. That unbelievable, and it was never like, "Hey Tim, can I get free symbols or anything?" It was just like checking in right. every once in a while. Hey man, hope all's well. Like, just keeping those feelings well, out. You hit on something important there, and you know, it's you know, everybody has this kind of conception about um, networking. You know, networking is this big buzzword when young people are coming up trying to find their place in a business or in life or in the world. Um, and this idea of networking, just collect as many emails and phone numbers as you can, and then something will work out. Well, I don't know that I drive so well with that. I've approached it a little bit differently, and that is I kind of use my downtime to ping people, and um, I, I look at it kind of like a bank account, right? Mm -hmm. I have to invest some bit of my emotional self into that relationship uh, if I expect to be able to withdraw some emotional currency from somebody else right and emotional currency has many different looks right one of those things could be putting in a good word for you in an office environment at a, at a company that you want to work for so yeah you're right it's more than just you know sending relentless emails that are mindless it's hey i heard this song on the radio maybe think of you how you doing how's the wife how's the kids mm -hmm. you know we talked about this thing that one time wondering if you had a different perspective on this line of thought so really kind of being thoughtful and um, thinking about ways to engage people beyond, hey, how's the weather? How's the news? Mm -hmm. What about this thing happening in, in politics today? You know, go go deeper and right. try and find something meaningful to that person because that shows a lot about um, your desire to develop a relationship. And those relationships are what sustain and really catapult young people um, when, when we're coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's my little, uh, my little take on it and it's been effective for me. I think it has been. I, and I agree. <laughs> I, I take the same approach. So one last question about sort of the, the, the business side of things. If, if someone's older and they already have certain skills, you know, they're, uh, they've been a product developer or they've been a project manager or they're an accountant or they have managerial mm -hmm. experience or something like that. I think it's easier yeah. for someone like that to see where the transition can happen because in, in that case, it's literally just applying for a job. It just happens to be in a different market. But for right. someone young that's coming up, how would you suggest that they start to get into this business? Look for just what I what I say is the same way that you would look into getting into any other business. Just look for job openings that 
you qualify for and just start applying. That's right. I mean, I'll give you my personal um, my personal story as as to answer that question. And you know, when when I was um, looking for to work at the Dario, I realized that I might have to work the mailroom for a little while, and I was willing to do it mm-hmm. just to get a foot in the door. Man, if you and, graduate Wharton School of Business and you want to get into like any of the book, like William Morris Agency or CAA or any of those big talent agencies in Hollywood, everyone yep. starts in the mailroom. Yeah, it doesn't and, matter. You know, that's it. And you gotta. It's it's see. It's more than. I think we get hung up on titles, especially mm-hmm. as young people. You know, sometimes you want a posture, and you know, well, ego, man. I'm I'm more successful. Yeah, it is. And the death, you know, death to the ego, man. That'll be the most liberating thing. Uh, for us, for young people coming up, as soon as you kill that ego, forget it. It opens up so many doors because you come in uh, with a student mentality, ready to learn, mm-hmm. and um, you have a humility about you that is desirable from upper management companies. Because what upper management is looking for is people that they can develop. Because mm-hmm. the best money a company will spend is in developing people, um, and so. I mean, that's a general statement, of course. It's certainly true at Dario, and I know many other industri- companies within this industry. But um, my mentality, man, was, man, I will, I will sort the mail, I'll mop the floor, I'll do whatever it takes. Even though I had skills already and I was, I was proven uh, successful in other industries and other areas, I knew that to be successful at, at this company, Dario, um, I would have had to prove myself. And so, right. just give me that opportunity. And I'll I'll knock it out of the park, whatever you whatever assignment you put me on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, you know they're looking for young minds that are malleable, not kids that come in thinking, or anyone coming in for that matter that thinks they know everything, isn't teachable, doesn't have sort of a growth mindset, anything like that, and doesn't yep. you know doesn't want to learn. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about. Just, I want to talk about drumsticks in general and sort of the anatomy of a drumstick. And I get a lot of questions about this, and uh, I think it would be good to to pose the question to you about the numbers that are on drumsticks. So you have a five A, you have a seven A, two B, this that, (laughs) and they those numbers sort of don't mean anything anymore, but they did years ago, right? Yeah, that, that's that's correct. Um, um, so talk about that a little bit because I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of confusion there. Yeah, sure. So I'll even I'll even back it up a little bit further. When when talking about the anatomy of the drumstick, I think about it in kind of five or six um, different variations or elements. The first is um, diameter. That's what you're talking about specifically. The numbers on the drumstick, right? Mm-hmm. A five fifty diameter versus a five ninety five versus a six thirty. Um, what and kind of the ones you have in your hands now? Uh, I'm holding a 565, which is a 5A. <laughs> this is a, a rebound 5A acorn. Um, and so you have diameter as as a key element, and then you have the length of the drumstick. Standard is 16 inches, right? Uh, you have the wood type, hickory, oak, maple, persimmon. Um, then you have the taper, the length of the taper, which is largely affecting the feel or the response in your hand. Um, and then you have the tip shape. So you have an acorn tip, a round tip, a barrel tip, an oval tip, and you have tip material. Is it a wood tip or is it a nylon tip? So when you when you pull these levers or change these levers, so to speak, um, you're essentially changing the feel of the drumstick. Mm-hmm. So l- getting to your specific question about the numbers, um, I refer to that as fit. Now, we talk about it as 7A, 5A, 5B, 55A, right, 2B. 
uh, 2S. There's a, a, a myriad of, of different kind of hybrids that have emerged, but the root uh, model types or sizes are the 7A, 5A, 55A, 5B, and 2B. Those are kind of kind of your 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 core or foundational sizes. Everything else is essentially a hybrid off of that, with the exception of, of a marching drumstick, mm-hmm. which kind of lives on its own. But um, getting back to fit, I refer to that 7A, 5A, 5B, et cetera, as the fit. And that's got to be the most comfortable part of the drumstick for you. Right. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's to encourage correct movement and – um, which comes from correct technique, you got to be relaxed. So if you have large hands um, and you're playing a super pencil thin drumstick, your general uh, inclination is going to be to, to over clench the stick just because you want to maintain control over that thing. Um, and conversely, if you have small hands um, and you, you know, you haven't been playing so long, you don't want to be using a two B <laughs> or a marching drumstick. Right. Right. Um, so getting that fit, is critical and yes you're right 5a 5b 2b those those names um or those identifiers don't really mean anything anymore they did way back when where uh the distinction of a stick 5a might be related to a specific piece or repertoire Uh, so that stick would be suited to play that type of music in this specific setting Mm -hmm. but music has evolved in such a way that um, you really can use a variety of different implements in a variety of different applications. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that very long explanation is to really affirm your notion that yes, the the numbers in the stick don't really mean so much as they once did. Right. I, I would say there's still a loose a, a loose representation of if you're playing a seven A, it's going to be a thin stick. If you're playing a five B, it's going to be a thick right. stick. Right. Well, we got to think about it in ranges, right? So if you have a 7A, right, mm-hmm. for instance, the, the range, at least in the Promark line, and of course this is different from company to company, which makes things a little <laughs> a little more Even more confusing, right. Yeah, but uh, I'll just speak from Promark terms. If you're, if you're going to choose a 7A in the Promark line, you're going to be selecting between a 512 diameter and a 535 diameter. So think about this now. If, if one inch – if 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 um if one point zero is one inch, then a five thirty five is less than half an inch in diameter, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we think about it in ranges. So seven A's range from five twelve to five thirty five. Five A's from a five thirty five to a five sixty five. Um, you know a five B from a five eighty one to a five ninety five, and um, you know, like a two B is like a six six thirty, uh, more or less. Right. So those numbers are important when you're exploring drumsticks because you can't go from one company to another and assume that a five A is the same at Promark as it is at any of its competitors, um, or any other different company, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of dialing in and understanding and knowing what the diameter actually is in true terms, right? 595, 560, et cetera, um, will help you narrow in and, and shorten your exploration process, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned, you had mentioned about the, the different elements of a drumstick that, that affect the feel, of affect you know, the rebound, all of that stuff. Can we dive into that a little bit? I, so we're, we talked about yeah. fit. Okay, so we're talking about diameter. But then there's also length, tip, taper, 
mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And how can we talk about how that affects? Because I think what happens when there's so many drumstick models, there's so many different options. When you go in and you look at one that has a longer taper, one that has a shorter taper, one that has an, an acorn, one that has a round, you know, getting trying to figure all that stuff out especially if you're early in the drumming game and i mean you know once right. you get older i feel like everyone's just like i know what i play and that's what i play but yeah. that that exploration process can you walk us through that of, about the elements that that affect the drumstick and how they affect those those yeah. drumsticks yeah now absolutely that this, was a long-winded uh, question so <laughs> no i'm with you um brevity you know, this, is not my strong suit go ahead sorry yeah you and me both man i struggle <laughs> sometimes I, i'm just you know we're passionate guys i guess yeah. right yeah um so when on the exploration process to find the drumstick you know it's a little subjective right because um you and i might have the same size hands say but uh you might be more in shape than i am so you're used to throwing around more weight or your technique or your style of playing um allows you to achieve certain things that maybe I can't achieve. Okay. We'll go with that. Using, using my technique. <laughs> <laughs> using my technique. So um, <laughs> it is a little subjective, right? Because it might feel, drummers use that word a lot, it feels good or it doesn't feel right Right. Um, quite a bit. Now, And I think we've all that, been in those situations where, you know, you'll you'll pick up a stick and it feels like you're playing with concrete in your hand. And it may yes. not be that heavier, you know, it right. might not be that much heavier, but it's just something doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel right. Something's, yeah. something's not and working. And we can actually, that's actually a good point, Nick. We, we should get back to that point if you can remember it because okay. there's, there's a really um, interesting um, development on the ProMark side, at least, that's addressing that very dynamic that I think will be fun to kind of pull yeah, pull Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a thumbtack in it. We'll go back to it. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, so... You found your fit, right? You say, I'm a 5B guy myself, personally. I play the Rebound 5B Acorn in the Active Grip version uh, from Promark. And um, the reason I like that model is because it allows me to maintain a comfortable grip because it's a 595 diameter. So my hand naturally kind of just curls around and I don't have to um, clench my hand very hard to maintain control of the stick while playing. So um, I choose the 595 or the 5B. And... I like a longer taper on that particular model because it allows the stick to respond far more quickly off of the pad, off of the drum, or the cymbal. And that allows me to play uh, intricate grooves and um, kind of intricate patterns on the hats and cymbals and such. Um, and it's a perfect balance of speed uh, and power, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that taper length is going to play a huge role in how the stick responds to your movement. I talk a lot about this, right? When you throw a stick down, um, you could throw it down the way you normally throw it down, or say you're, you're playing a full stroke, and based on the way that taper is cut and how much weight is either forward uh, toward the tip or, or further back toward the butt end of the stick will determine uh, the speed or the velocity that that stick responds off of whatever it is you're hitting. Mm-hmm. So. Um, paying paying close mind to the taper length is important. Now, um, the way I've identified this in the Promark line for players is by using the Select Balance series. And this this uh, series of drumsticks literally focuses in on just that specific um, element of the anatomy, right? And that's right. taper. So you could buy a Rebound 5A Acorn and a Forward 5A Acorn. And it's the identical stick in length, diameter, 
tip shape, tip material, and wood type. The only variable is the forward 5A acorn has a short two and a quarter inch taper. The rebound 5A acorn has a long three inch taper. Mm. So you've literally only changed that one element, right? The taper, and you've got an entirely different feeling stick. Right. So same stick goal, just feels different. Correct. The goal was when developing that line, right, and answering the market's call for such a line was how do I find a stick with the right fit or diameter in my hand where I don't have to sacrifice the feel, right? I can change the way it, um, the stick plays, but I don't, I don't have to sacrifice feel. And what I mean by that is, man, I play a 5A, but I want the stick to feel more front heavy. I don't want to have to play a 5B to get that sensation. I like right. the fit of the 5A. Right. Well, select balance is a good line for you. Because you're adding, if you're going, if you move to the 5B, you're not only adding diameter, you're also adding weight. Correct. You're right. adding you're, you're adding uh, density because there's more mass mm-hmm. to the stick, right? Because it's a wider diameter. Plus that, that taper now in relation to that diameter is an entirely different feeling stick. But that's the compromise us drummers have always made our whole lives. Right. right. You know? It's, and I guess the only way to figure that out is to to experiment with both of them, you know, to say, do I want something front heavy? Do I want something, you know, do I want yeah. rear balance? Do I want, do I want forward balance? Figuring yep. figuring that kind of stuff out. And I would imagine that I'm sure someone finds a stick and they and you know finds a forward balance or, or a, uh, a rear balance a and they say, whoa, whoa, yep. that, like I maybe like sort of I didn't know what I was missing. Yeah, I didn't I mean, realize, you know. I didn't realize that just changing changing where the rebound sits can really change the way that the stick is is playing, you know. Yeah, that's right. And what you're doing is you're actually you're displacing the the weight. You're shifting the balance of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. So the way I kind of boil it down in simple terms for players when exploring, if you buy a forward balance drumstick from the Select Balance line, if you buy a forward balance stick perspective to size. Generally speaking, the forward balance models optimize power and speed, while the rebound balance models optimize finesse and agility. So it allows you to do different things um, based on the cut of that taper. Mm -hmm. So I often show up to a gig with both a forward and a rebound 5B acorn, right? I've identified the stick that I like. Now I have the option to choose the rebound or the forward, depending on what I'm playing. If it's heavy Mm -hmm. rock and more kind of rock and roll, um, I'll go for a forward bounce. If it's more kind of jazz swing, up tempo kind of funk, I'll go for a rebound all day long. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. let's we're getting sort of nitty and gritty, but let's talk about tip. <laughs> let's talk about tips real quick. Okay. And why you know why should I play a round tip versus an acorn tip? Why should I play you know a, a yeah. teardrop versus a round? Right. Um. I mean, look. Not why, but what are what are the what are the the sonic sure. profile differences? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a more pointed question. Good. So, um, I think you were sensing that it is subjective, right? We like what we like as drummers. We have muscle memory, and we're kind of slaves to that of <laughs> for the most part. Of course. Um, but sonically, um, you know, if you think about an oval shaped tip, that's going to um, produce kind of a more broad. Um, I guess the a robust sound on a cymbal where um, it's kind of, it's just a more round sound. Whereas an acorn, because you have the edge cut in the way that it is, and it's has the certain radius um, to it, you'll get a more articulate 
ping sound, especially on the cymbals. And that's really where you're hearing most of the difference mm-hmm. is on the cymbals. Um, if you think about a round tip, no matter how you hit it at whatever angle, it's the same sound. So generally speaking, for, for younger players and beginners, they opt for a round tip um, because it's kind of agnostic to poor technique, right? Yeah. Again, no, ma- no matter how you hold it or attack the cymbal or drum, you're generally speaking getting the same exact sound because the contact between the stick and the drum or cymbal is the same. Man, maybe um, I should switch the ball tip. <laughs> no, I actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because when I was younger, I played 5A balls right. the, and now I don't. Yeah. You know? I mean, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to say that a round tip is, is only for beginners because no, it's I certainly don't. not true, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of the funk guys, a lot of the gospel cats really dig the ball tips, um, because they're playing very fast and there's consistency in the sound. Um, if you can maintain that, that ball shape, because again, Everywhere you hit, no matter how you hit, you're going to get a similar sound. And it's a more poignant sound because there's there's less there's less uh, contact surface. There's less contact surface, but it's still it's still um, what am I trying to say? Oh, but it you know, but it's always hitting at the same time. So, like you said, you have more consistency there, so you're not risking you know hitting sort of you know you can't really miss with the ball, but you're always getting something on the on the symbol. So it's just sort of a right. quick sort of like a quick in and out yeah yeah i mean that that's kind of that that's how i approach it yes mm-hmm. um and again you know we are we love as drummers um what we love and that muscle memory can be tricky sometimes <laughs> right. so um that that's kind of how i boil down uh tips for players i got you so one last thing about the production is mm-hmm. so you got so you guys have a factory in tennessee right we have a sawmill. Yes. You have a sawmill in Tennessee. So you guys go out, you get the wood, and then I'm guessing it's cut down into blanks, and then it comes into the it comes into the factory. You guys cut yep. it either on what do you guys use back knife or or centerless grinders? We use centerless grinders. Okay. Yep. Um. So then, yeah. So you cut it on the centerless grinder. Then from there, what happens? It goes. It goes into yep. gets weighed, pitched, paired, all yep. that stuff. Yeah, so I mean, this this could be a, an hour virtual tour, uh, but I'll, I'll give you the the nickel tour, the the, the truncated version, right? So, um, Promark's the only drumstick manufacturer who owns and operates its own sawmill. So we actually harvest the raw logs from the Appalachian uh, region in Tennessee. So mm-hmm. that's like Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee. And so we get um, prime selection of the log, and then once those logs come in, like you said, yes, we cut them to planks and we rip saw them into squares. And then we cut them down into square dowels. Those dowels are kiln-dried. Kiln-dried dowels now get put through a doweler, which convert from a square dowel into a round dowel. Which, and then those- sorry to interrupt you, you skipped like the the, the kiln-drying process for the listeners yes. who don't know. That is like, that is a science. They don't just throw it in the oven and it just sits in there for a couple of days and they pull it out. I mean, it's right. like moisture it's controlled. True. It's tested. It's, you know, all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't want to get too uh, too much in the weeds just for the sake of brevity. Right. But yes, it is an extreme science. In fact, Promark's kilns are – there are six high-capacity kilns uh, at Promark, and they are literally operated and can be controlled from our plant manager's cell phone. Um, it's that it's that important that nice. we have that kind of oversight over that um, – the, the removal of moisture because if you remove it too quick, uh, you can you – can, create instability in the mm-hmm. wood so that makes for a poor drumstick right um and then um we like to treat 
treat this like the way you cook ribs, low and slow, man. Yeah. So as low as low as the temperatures we can, and as slow of a withdrawal, moisture withdrawal mm-hmm. as possible. That maintains again stability, a straight dowel, uh, and a drumstick that's gonna going to last um, the, as long as it should. Right. Now we take about twenty one days for a kiln cycle. Most companies will take fourteen days or less. And for us, we found that it's not really um, beneficial to the end player um, when you do that because you're actually compromising the internal construction of the wood grain. And so, again, you make for an unstable product. Makes so sense. we take our time there. <laughs> yeah, because and then, I, yeah. The, the drumstick is constant. It's it's still a, sort of a living thing. So it's still changing. It has properties that, you know, that you, once it comes out of the kiln, you want to control what happens after it leaves your factory, right? Because if you exactly. don't dry it too fast or you dry it too fast, you don't dry it quick, quick enough, you're going to get bananas. You're going to get, you know, the mm-hmm. wood's going to be brittle. It's going to split. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. So finding that sweet spot is is where you need to be to control i would imagine what happens after that right yeah that's exactly right because you hit on a good point and that is that once you make once we make the drumstick we gotta ship this thing all over the world so mm-hmm. imagine shipping from new york where we are located our headquarters are today our headquarters to china i mean that's on a on a on a shipping container getting baked in the sun mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you're accounting for for post-production wear and tear on the drumstick so we do account for that in our production Right. And to your your earlier point, which is a really another another um, good good perception on your part was, you know, a drumstick is still thinks it's a tree, man. It's a mm-hmm. living thing, and so what we do is we try not to force the wood to be something that it doesn't want to be. And I know that sounds like some new age <laughs> right <kinda laughs> science, but no, but it makes sense. <laughs> uh, we what we try and do is um, we we cut the wood in such a way that allows it to maintain straightness allows it to breathe and allows mm-hmm. it to take the shape of the drumstick without forcing it into shape right um and the way we do that is once we get the uh the dowels which are now round dowels and kiln dried from tennessee those get shipped to houston at our drumstick factory and um we take those dowels they undergo a series of quality control inspections and then the first machine that they're exposed to um that actually alters the form is uh, what we call the beavers. And these are, these are proprietary machines that we built at the Dario uh, and invented. And what these machines do is they actually redefine the center line of the dowel while removing mass. So that's a really complicated way of saying, you know, the drumstick wants to be, you know, it wants to, the dowel, say, wants to arc to the left. Instead of forcing that thing straight, what we do is we just reassign the center line of the dowel, cut the wood so that the drumstick still thinks it's arcing left, but it's actually straight in, in your hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so internally, um, we haven't compromised the natural uh, or what we call the, the resting uh, state of that piece of wood. Sure. And that is so critical, man, because if you can make a straight dowel there, you know it's going to end up straight as a drumstick. Yeah, yeah. And because it's still don't have that technically control. in its like you said in 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 its mind whatever you know it's yeah. not it's not straight but <laughs> it is you know it's it's a straight yeah. stick but to the stick to the piece of wood itself it's still naturally arcing to one direction or the other that's right now conversely what what companies have historically done is they'll take a dowel right and they'll just sand it down until it's quote unquote straight but that 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 dowel 
um, doesn't want to do what it, what the process that it just underwent wants it to do. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you can't just sand off the high spot of a dial and call it straight because that dial is going to end up warped um, or end up fracturing prematurely. Right. So it's really important that you take your time, uh, which which is something that we've kind of embedded in the philosophy of our production process. It's just slow it down, do it right, and get a really great finished product that drummers can appreciate. Yeah. And that that product can not only solve problems for them, but again, elevate their experience while playing, which is, that's my job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're thinking about the drumstick while you're playing, I haven't done my job. Right. Because you shouldn't be. You should be thinking about playing music and sure. expressing. Sure. Right? So it goes... Uh we'll we'll try to speed it up now because i'm i'm derailing you and i keep asking you all these in-depth <laughs> questions that, okay. i mean that's my fault i'm like well what about this thing so uh so it goes through the beavers then once the the center line is redefined then what it goes through it gets cut gets cut into the shape yes yeah, so what we'll do then is we'll we'll dress a stone wheel right now this is the main point of um difference between a manufacturer who's centerless grinding which promark and only one other company are and what's called back knife lathing, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and back knife lathes, you know, they cut effective drumsticks, mm-hmm. but it's it's an aggressive process because you're essentially you're tearing the dowel out, you're tearing the grain out and then into shape. With centerless grinding, you're compressing into shape with a stone, right? So um, on those beaver machines, not only are we redefining the center line, but we're also reducing the diameter as close to the finished diameter as possible. For instance. If the dial comes in at 800 thousandths in diameter and we need to make a 7A at 512, well, we're going to reduce the diameter of that dial to, say, 550 so that by the time we kiss it with the stone, uh, we don't have to overwork the machines. We don't have to overwork the wood. We can just kiss the profile into the dial, shape it, and let the wood undergo as little stress as possible. So we dress the wheel, which means that we cut the stone. Um, with a negative profile of the finished drumstick profile, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're cutting the Rebound 5A acorn, you're making a negative of that shape into the stone so that when you kiss the dowel, it makes the final shape of the Rebound 5A, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a two-part grinding process. You grind uh, the tip end, and then you grind the butt end, and then you blend that line. Uh, so there's two stones per drumstick model. Um, and then once that drumstick comes out, it undergoes another series of pretty intense quality in- inspection points. Um, and then we take it from there and we'll do a, a variety of different things with it. We'll either send it to the nylon tipping machine if it warrants a nylon tip. And then we'll send it to the tumblers, which applies the lacquer. We could send it to our active grip station, which will apply um, the active grip coating, which is the heat activated coating. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could go to the fire grain lane, which will fire grain. Uh, the exterior, um, which gives it that, that kind of charred aesthetic. Right. That's literally a, a flame tunnel or a ring of fire. Which I want to talk about that. We're definitely oh, going to yeah. talk about that. Cool, cool. And then, um, you know, we, 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 finish, we finish the drumstick with the finished uh, exterior, uh, either lacquer, active grip fire grain, or natural. And then we print it with the, the artwork. We pitch match within a quarter, a quarter tone. So the pair is matched as a, a, between each, each stick is a quarter tone and then each stick is paired and within each pair each stick um, will have a 1.5 gram uh, variance between so you have a really precisely matched 
pair of drumsticks by the time we're done with it. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the the really truncated uh, short story about about it. But uh, again, this could be pretty long form. Such an time. interesting process, <laughs> you know. Once and it's like once you get in deeper and you you know you start learning more about like you know temperatures and and like you said you know sawing or or cutting it and shaping it and weighing it and and just. Yeah. All it's it's really it's really an interesting process. Uh, I yeah. want to go back. We talked about about when you pull a drumstick out of your bag and when you're playing, it feels like it's concrete in your hand. Yes, and yes. you said you wanted to to go back and talk about that about that feel. And I've been in certain situations where, you know, I'll drop a stick or a stick breaks or whatever, and then I'll go and grab the same exact stick, same brand, same everything, yep. and you grab it, and it just it you know it feels like concrete, you know. Or, or yeah. it may seem like super light and brittle. Exactly. Um, so Now, that's a really good question, man, and I'm so happy you, you hit on that. Um, so I think as drummers, we can all pretty much relate to that exact dynamic, right? You reach into your stick bag after breaking a stick. You pull the same exact pair. You may have bought the pair together, for crying out loud. Right. And for whatever reason, the stick feels different or the pair feels different. Um, I think of it eight. like when you go, do you ever s- drink something and you set it down and then you go do something and you come back and take another sip and, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't my drink because it's colder yes. or warmer. Even if it's the same exact drink, you know, it's not yours. Right. It just, there's, it's, yeah, there's variation of some degree, right? Right. And the same is true here with drumsticks. What we're feeling as drummers is the natural weight variation specific to the type of wood that we're playing. What do I mean? Well, Hickory itself has a natural weight variation of about 40 grams mm-hmm. when you're talking about finished drumsticks. Which so is a lot. That, oh, it's tremendous. I mean, the, the point by which a drummer can start feeling is excess of five grams. So anything over five grams, you can start actually feeling. Now, there are some drummers who have extremely precise uh, hands, especially when playing their own model year over year, um, and can feel it under five grams. But by and large, the research we've done says Anywhere over five grams is where most drummers can start feeling the difference. Mm -hmm. Now, you're talking 40 grams. So you can buy your favorite pair of 5As from an online store, a brick-and-mortar store, or or your favorite music store in town. Um, You could travel to Spain. You could go to Australia and buy that same drumstick. And guess what? It's going to be – it's going to feel – like an entirely different drumstick no matter where you are in the world or no matter where you buy it. Why? Because what manufacturers do is they receive, they'll buy dowels off the open market, right? We're making our dowels. Other companies are just buying them. And then they just take the dowels and they make 7As, 5As, 5Bs, 2Bs, marching drumsticks, etc. So they're not really paying much mind to the weight spread of the wood in its native state. Mm-hmm. In this case, it'll be dowels, right? Mm-hmm. So what Promark has done uh, differently is at the sawmill, we use, a, we use a selection process that allocates only certain wood to certain models. For instance, we only will send 7A dowels to Houston for them to make 7A drumsticks. The same is true with 5As, 5Bs, 2Bs and marching drumsticks. So we, we hand select the dowels that we want to end up in the final line. And um, based five, on weight. Yeah. Weight is one of the factors, but there are some others. Weight okay. is weight is one of the primary factors. Yes. So in other words, I don't want to have a marching weight drumstick in a seven, a shape. 
because it's going to feel like concrete while I'm trying to play jazz and swing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And conversely, I wouldn't use a little 7A thin light drumstick for, um, or dial, I should say, for a marching application because those guys and gals would just break right through them. Mm -hmm. So um, we've, we've been able to reduce that variance, that 40 gram weight variance to six. In fact, Promark has the the least or the lowest standard deviation um, within a certain model set. For instance, our 7As vary only four and a half grams from pair to pair. Hmm. 5As about five and a half and um, anything bigger than a 5A about six grams. So the pairs so, are matched, but between pairs, there's only a four gram variant. Correct. So okay. if, if you're playing, let's take my Rebound 5B Acorn, right? If I bought that model at my favorite music store here on Long Island, or if I traveled to Spain and bought it over there, or in our earlier example, Australia, right? No matter where in the world I am, if I buy a Rebound 5B Acorn, it's going to be within that six gram range every single time I buy it, which means that when I sit down at the drum set, I don't have to worry about that as a variable, that the drumstick is now a constant. So I will always get the same feel. My timing will always be the same. And then I can, again, right, not focus on the drumstick anymore and focus right. on expression. Right. And what we're talking about, I mean, you could you could pick up a drumstick, you could pick up a pair of drumsticks and let's mm-hmm. just say for number's sake, right? We're not going to, this, isn't, this sure. isn't real, but you could pick up a pair of drumsticks and they're 50 grams and then you could pick up the same or the same exact brand, size, style, everything is exactly the same and it could be 100 grams. Uh, I mean, that would be 50 gram spread. I would say it'd be closer to 90, but yeah, right. the, the point, the point is made. There's a major variance in weight. And so that's going to throw us off as players. And what that equals is, especially, I remember this as a young player. I just, I, I called it not feeling as inspired as yesterday, mm-hmm. right? I would sit down yesterday, play my tail off and man, I had a great session and then come back the next day practice the same time of day, the same amount of time, the same repertoire, but change one variable. And that was my sticks. Right. And I said, gee, I don't know what it is about today. I just don't feel as inspired as I did yesterday. Yeah. Little did I know, if I had a drumstick made by a manufacturer who was actually paying mind to that, we could have sidestepped that whole issue from the start. And right. what we're talking about playing live too, you're grabbing, if you're grabbing one stick out of your bag, your left hand could be 50 and your right hand could be, like you said, could be 90. You know, oh, forget it. And that's that's like, that's, that's the killer right there. Right. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's like, what? I don't, you know, all of a sudden my right hand just, I feel like, you know, like I said, I feel like I have concrete in my hand. A quick pause for the cause and we'll be back in one second with my man, Elijah. Whether you want to learn electronic drumming, gospel drumming, jazz, funk, reggae, hip hop, All of that and more is covered at Musicians Institute, and you can take your career to the next level whether you just want to become a better player or you want to go all the way and become a professional player. You can do this by going to mi.edu, find out all of their great programs. They're located right there in the heart of Hollywood, California. They've been there since the 70s. There's a reason why they've been there since the 70s. And if you look at their alumni and the people who teach there, it's all people who are out there doing it, have been there, have done that, have been touring, working in the studio and working with A-list players for years on end. So check them out and learn more by going to mi.edu. 
One line in the dream symbol family that I think is really cool is the dark matter family. They have the flat earth, the moon ride, and the dark matter energy. And although they're all made a little bit differently, they all involve the dark matter process. And this is really cool. Check this out. They take a symbol that is already finished and then put it back in the oven, hand hammer it, and then shock it with cold water, and then put it back in the oven. And what happens is the ash and the soot from the oven are fused to the top layer of the metal, which give it this really, really unique sound. And you know what? I want to let you hear exactly what this process does to a symbol. Check them out. To learn more about Dream Symbols, their Dark Matter line, and all their great products, be sure to check out DreamSymbols.com. Now let's get back into it with Elijah Navarro. Let's talk about this this fire grain technology. Um, okay. When I first heard about fire, not when I first heard about fire grain, when I first saw the like the initial advertisements and everything, I was like, okay, I, th- I feel like this is just some gimmicky thing, right? But then I got more information on it. You guys sent me a pair. I read all about it, and I was like, oh, okay, this makes complete sense. You're actually making, you're taking the same exact sticks that you have. You're hardening it with flame and you're making it more durable, more um, or less likely to break wear and tear or have wear and tear and all that kind of stuff. But you're not adding anything to it. You're not adding any any um, like synthetic materials. You're not adding any weight. You're not adding anything else. Is that I mean, that's the gist of it, right? Yeah, that is accurate. So um, fire grain actually is, is a two part durability story to it. Um, and like you said, the flame tempering, which changes the appearance of the drumstick, um, is one element and that adds exterior hardness, which delays chipping, fraying and denting. And that process is very similar to what they do to baseball bats and hammer and ax handles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you think about, um, you know, the tip of a spear, um, those are flame hardened as well. And what that does is it actually, um, kind of crystallizes um, trace sap resin within the drumstick and that's what kind of gives it that exterior hardness now that's one element of the durability story the other element is the selection process at the sawmill so we we hand select the dowels that we allocate specifically to the fire grain line and these dowels um, are are the premium more durable dowels and we use a variety of uh, of sorting techniques to get those dowels, uh, and within that, weight is included. Uh, and again, we take that selection of wood and we make it specifically um, for use in fire grain line. So the combination of those two things make the fire grain drumstick, as we've put it, you know, the most durable hickory drumstick that Promark has ever made. And man, it's a lot of fun, and it has been very well received in the market of, across the world. So why, if if this is a if this is common practice in other industries, why was the drumstick company so so uh, slow to adopt it? Is it did did they think it wouldn't work, or was it just something that nobody ever really experimented with, or what? Well, I mean, look, um, I I think innovation is a funny thing, right? And especially you know in our industry, the drum industry. Um, We've we've always thought about getting better durability from a drumstick by changing the material, right? Because mm-hmm. why would you try carbon fiber or plastic that you know is far and above 
more durable uh, than wood. But when we started doing research and when I started hitting the market to try and understand what the pro- what the, what was the actual problem that we needed to solve, anytime we develop a product, that's our question we're asking. Mm-hmm. What problem is needing to be solved? And the problem was this. How do I find a more durable hickory drumstick without compromising feel or playability? Right. And so what that, what that told me was, shoot, I can't go to a synthetic material. I have to find a way to increase the durability or the life of a hickory drumstick. And so through many iterations, uh, we arrived at the fire grain process. Now, keep in mind, there's no machine that existed to flame temper a drumstick. We had to invent one right. and then build it, as we do with most most of the uh, equipment at the Dario. Um, so we built this flame tunnel and we built a way for drumsticks to be loaded and processed through it um, to apply the flame char. And then again, the, the dowel selection, um, because we actually control the manufacturing of the dowel, we can control then the specific dowels that are used in this line. So as simple as it seems to do once you have the equipment in place, it's actually quite hard when you don't have the equipment in place and when you don't have the vision for what it is you want to make. Right, right. Right. So do they get do they get flame tempered before they're cut into into profiles or does that does that happen after? That happens after. So after. they're they're flame tempered and then they're lacquered. Okay. Uh, so what you're doing is you're you're tempering the drumstick you're changing the aesthetic, and then you're you're lacquering over that um, so that you can kind of lock it in, in one, and so that you're not getting uh, you know marks all over your equipment. You right. want the lack to, to kind of protect uh, from transferring the color. Yeah, that makes sense. And you had mentioned before about how can we make a stronger hickory drumstick, and one thing that I know is one getting people to switch brands is hard, right? Like sure. getting them to go from Vic to Promark, Promark to Vic, whatever. Uh, but getting people to switch materials is nearly yeah. impossible. Oh, forget about it. It's really, really hard, right? Because we're slaves to muscle memory as drummers, as we yeah. said earlier. And that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just we like what we like. So that acquired taste, so to speak, is hard to to break unless you are disrupted. You know, a company really has to disrupt and kind of get in your paths. Um, to get your attention mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're even going to try it. But, you know, Nick, I don't, you know, it, it's funny because I don't think about our marketing efforts as selling drumsticks. I think about our marketing efforts as raising awareness. And then once somebody tries it, they become the advocate to their peers. And that's how the drumstick, uh, that's how Firegrain kind of exploded, uh, no pun intended, you know, exploded and, and caught fire and has, has done as well as it has is because the product delivers, people believe in it, and then when people believe in something that they're using, they'll share that. And those people are actually selling the drumsticks. Promark isn't really making that uh, that player convert. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. You're adding the value into the marketplace. You're giving giving drummers instruments that they that they need and that they're asking for, and the rest sort of takes care of itself. Right. Because right. at the end of the day, if you got a great product, you don't really need to be a great marketer. The right. product will sell itself. Right. And even if you're a good marketer, if your product sucks, it's not going to last very long. Right, that's correct. No. <laughs> so how long did it? How long did it take you guys to develop that? Uh, Firegrain was about eight, eight to nine months in development. Yeah. Um, I, I would say all in probably a year if you talk if you consider the development time for the, the, the equipment. Right. Um, 
So yeah, but that, that's pretty standard here at Dario, though. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna get involved in a technology driven product, we're gonna do diligence and, and do our homework and take our time and do it right. The same was true with Active Grip. I mean, shoot, Active Grip took thirty one tries to get right, right, uh, spanning over about eight eight to ten months. Um, and you know, the same is true with our Mallet project that we just unveiled at Pacek last. Um, you know, a few weeks back this year, um, you know, we reinvented the way a mallet is made and that's been a year and a half, two year project. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so if we're going to do it and we're going to build a technology that, that improves the experience of playing drums or percussion, then we're going to take our time and do it right. Because that's, that's how you serve the market correctly. Right. Right. So I, and I don't want to, I don't want to take a ton of your time, but talk to me quickly about the process of, of sort of R and Ding this product. So if you, you know, it's a great idea that, you know, everybody has these great ideas, but then if no one wants it, no one buys it, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't resonate well with the marketplace, then it's not, maybe it's not necessarily a great idea. So how do you come up with the idea? Okay. Fire grain is a way that we can introduce a stronger hickory stick. We don't have to add anything. We're not going to change the material. We're not going to change the feel, anything like that. Right. How do we know anyone's going to buy this thing? How do we know anyone even wants this thing? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And that's probably the number one question that most people in many industries overlook. Mm -hmm. And at the Dario, we have, we have a saying here in product management, and it goes like this. Your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. And that sounds a little harsh, right? But your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant, is a really important part of our job because if we don't have the market driving product development, then we're really just stroking our own egos and introducing products that we've developed in a bubble that we think the market wants. Mm -hmm. So... Um, what we do is we create beta versions of these drumsticks. Now, even before we send out like a market sample in beta stage, which is pre-release, pre-launch, right? Um, with Firegrain specifically, we held a series of small focus groups. So we met with drummers. We um, met off-site, maybe at their house, and we had some conversations. And um, we did this in a few different cities and um we literally have conversations with players about what he or she is missing is wanting introduce the product get some feedback uh it's obviously unbranded they don't know um that we are who we are and we just ask questions and then listen we use our ears more than our mouths <laughs> <laughs> you know and then when when you listen and you know what you're listening for, man, you can get some really pertinent information that helps you develop products that are truly market-driven and solve problems. And we've done that very thing with Firegrain. So after we've built the drumsticks, we've tested it in focus groups uh, and some beta round testing. We then committed to the product, built up for production, started creating the marketing campaign, and then we sent out some market samples to seed the market, get people excited. You know, target some influencers who can build advocacy in the in the market with us and for us. Um, and together, we've really created a successful product. And if you're going to do it any other way than that, and there are ways to do it on a shoestring budget, because believe me, you want to keep your cost down as much as possible on the front end. Um, once you've done that, the market will really 
um, resonate well with the product because it feels true and it doesn't feel uh, like a company telling the market what they should and shouldn't play. Right, right. And it doesn't feel gimmicky, you know. Right. Uh, well, to- I'll ask you this, Nick. So you said that you, you when you first were exposed to fire grain, it felt gimmicky. Then you, you read into it and you learned about it. Uh, and then you be, kind of became a believer. And before we knew that would happen in the market, which, right, what happened with you is something that we planned for. <laughs> and what happened with you is something that happened with many drummers across the globe. Mm-hmm. And so what we had to do to validate the claim that we were making was, well, how are we going to test this? So we built two machines. The first machine is a four drumstick striker. And what, what, it, what it does is it takes the drumstick and essentially simulates a very uh, powerful full stroke. Bow, bow. So from vertical down, vertical down. And it's smashing um, a cymbal bell on the shoulder or the taper of the drumstick. It's smashing a triple flange hoop, a die cast hoop um, that's traveling up and down the length of the drumstick each time it's struck. And the reason that uh, this is necessary is because if you're not going to torture test these things, there's no way you can extrapolate data to make any claim, Mm -hmm. right? And so that machine proved to be really useful uh, in helping to validate the durability and the the lifespan of the drumsticks. Hmm. The second... The second machine we built is a machine that holds the drumsticks on either end, the tip end and the butt end, and then a presser foot comes down in the center and snaps the drumstick in half. And then we measure um, the force required before that drumstick went into what's called total failure or fully snapped, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it was simple. We compared our standard hickory drumsticks, our competitors' hickory drumsticks, and then fire grain on both of those series. Um, and what we concluded was the fire grain drumsticks outlast the current Promark hickory drumsticks and all the other hickory drumsticks out there uh, in, in the competitive market. Well, can't argue with data. <laughs> That's right. You know? and, the, and, and the reason why I thought it was gimmicky in the beginning was because I didn't see the claims, right? So I just saw an image. Okay. And I was like, oh, it's just, it's just a different looking drumstick. And then, right. it's, and then I said, stained. oh, then, what's that? I was saying it almost looks stained, you know, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then, it, and then it started to make a lot more sense to me, which, which I think that for years, everyone's been trying to develop a, you know, a stronger drumstick. So I, you know, hats off to you guys for, for making it happen. So cheers. Well, hats off to the market for telling us what they need. Right. 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 <laughs> us for listening. Hey, you know, Nick, there's a, um, there's a really interesting um, aesthetic treatment that's reemerging in the American uh, market. And it's a, an ancient Japanese wood charring technique called shosugiban, which is kind of a Western um, pronunciation of a native Japanese word called yagisugi. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm sneezing right now, but um, shosugiban or yagisugi is – it actually translates – um, burnt wood or burnt cedar. And what what the Japanese have been doing for decades and decades is um, flame tempering uh, the exterior wooden panels of structures like houses or buildings. And what this wood charring technique does is they, they actually char it to the point where it almost looks like alligator skin. They brush it with a steel brush and then they, they coat it with a lacquer. 
And what this does is it's UV, UV light repellent. It, it repels bugs and termites. Um, it becomes waterproof and um, it basically stands up to the elements 100% better than a standard piece that's untreated. And so um, a lot of the, the American uh, contracting market has adopted this Shosugi-ban technique and are incorporating it into some more modern um, design and styling. Really? So, yes. So it's really, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's, you know, we kind of, we, we learned about Shosugi-ban a little bit later in the development process and we're kind of illuminated and excited about it because we said, wow, here's another time-tested uh, methodology that just further substantiates the durability claims that we're making here. Mm-hmm. And it kind of recharged the project while we were getting close to the finish line and was a nice affirmation uh, about exactly what it is we were doing. That's awesome. And then, so it's, yeah, it's not just something that you guys cooked up. You know, it's like, okay, this is a real thing, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and other people are doing this and they're seeing the benefits the benefits right. of it as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's time tested. I mean, you look at Louisville Slugger. They make uh, baseball bats, maple ash. They flame temper them for durability. Mm-hmm. Hammer handles and axe handles, the same is true. So the technology works. Right, right. Well, now it's on drumsticks too. Yeah, baby. So what can we <laughs> expect from Promark and, and or coming in NAM in 2018? Ooh. Are you not allowed <laughs> to talk about that? Are you sworn to secrecy? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Just between me and you. Right. Um, <laughs> nobody said, nobody listens to the pie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm saying that half kidding, of course. Um, so, of course, we'll continue the conversation about Firegrain. It's an important uh, story to continue telling. We will um, be featuring a very unique piece at the show that also um, has been Firegrained that I think a lot of drummers will appreciate. So, Come by the Dario booth if you're at NAM and check this thing out, man. It's going to be really exciting. I can't tell you any more than that. All uh, right, all right. <laughs> we'll also be featuring Active Grip and continuing that conversation because um, that particular product has found its way in the hands of um, a lot of players who have experienced mobility, either diseases or just challenges. Drummers with Parkinson's and MS are liking active grip because it allows them to control the drumstick in a way they never they, they haven't been able to um, since pre either operation or pre ailment. Hmm. So that's a really exciting story to continue talking about. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Nick, we're going to further the conversation about mallet manufacturing as we did at PASIC in 2017. So um, the mallet story is one that. Again, takes a similar approach as Firegrain in the sense that it's market-driven. It's answering the need in the market. Players don't have to sacrifice feel, but what they get is 100% added durability to the, the core and the shaft adhesion, meaning you don't have to worry about mallet heads flying off the shaft anymore. And then because D'Addario is the world's largest string manufacturer and has been perfecting string winding for over a century – We've adopted that string wrapping methodology and now apply it to mallet wrapping. So we wrap the mallet core using similar technology, and we've increased the durability of that by four times. So we have a, a really big story to tell about mallets as well. Nice. Uh, so those three things plus the, the overall why Promark story, right? 
-hmm. how every time you buy a pair of Promark drumsticks, you can expect the weight range to be six grams, not 40. That's not just fire grain. That's all models. That's a big story that we'll be telling for the first time. Um, and it's, it's finally time for Promark uh, to have its moment because we have a lot of stories to tell. We're serving players in the market in a way that this company never has or hasn't had the opportunity to do before, now with Diderio. Uh, and we're innovating and we're enhancing the connection between a player and his or her musical source. And man, that's a special story to tell and, and an honor and a privilege for me personally and, and my team. So these stories are what we'll be talking about at NAM and man, we'll be happy to share it with anybody who's willing to lend an ear. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And I'll definitely, you know, I'll be there. I'll be there uh, two or three days. So I'll definitely swing by the booth. I'll say hello and uh, I'll hang and, and check out whatever this, whatever this flame tempered thing is that you're going to be <laughs> revealing. I'm excited to see it. So yeah, man, it'll be fun seeing you over there in NAM, and uh, it'll be nice catching up with you face to face again. Likewise. And, and I promise you, Nick, don't let the viewers down, man. There, you, you got to see what we got cooking. Uh, in the realm of fire grain at Nam, so come I will, I'll, I'll be take I'll, I'll take some pictures and all that, and <laughs> I'll, I'll share it up definitely. Awesome, definitely. man! You're pretty good with that, so I trust you will. Man. <laughs> cool. Well, Elijah, <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you for doing this. I, I know this is you know a long a, a large portion of time in your day, so I appreciate that. But also, man, this was this was really great. I, it was it was um, very informative. I think that the the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. I got a lot out of it, and just understanding that process and understanding what goes on behind the scenes of of these bigger manufacturing companies, drum manufacturing companies to be specific, or drumming industry, I should say, uh, is really really eye opening. And it, it was this was cool. I do appreciate it, man. I'll tell you what, Nick. Anytime I get a chance to share these types of things with someone like yourself or the, the listeners, um, I, I treat that as a really special opportunity. So it is absolutely no sweat off my back. You can have another hour or two at, at your time of choosing. And man, we could dig into whatever it is that you want. This is a, a really great time to be a drummer. And there's some awesome things coming out of Diderio and Promark. And I'm just so happy and thrilled to have a platform like this to share uh, about all the exciting things that we're doing and, and how passionate we are about serving drummers, man. It is a good time to be a drummer. <laughs> it is, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, Elijah, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a fantastic holiday as well. This is going to come out after the holiday, but I just wanted to tell you that personally. Uh, have a safe, have a safe uh, holiday. And uh, hey. yeah, I'll see you at NAM. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so good much. Deal. Likewise. Best, best to you as well. All right. Take care, man. There you have it, the one and only Elijah Navarro. I hope you got a ton of information out of that. Like I said, my man knows his stuff. And for him to spend some time and explaining all this stuff and really getting into the nuts and bolts of how drumsticks are made, how they're, you know, how they're manufactured, how they're sourced, the tip, taper, balance, all that stuff. I found it very, very interesting, and I hope you did as well. Again, if you dig this kind of stuff, let me know. Shoot me an email or hit me up on social media, just at Drummer's Resource. Let me know if you're into this kind of stuff. I'll get more people on. I have a lot of connections you know, with people who are making instruments. So if you want to hear more about this kind of stuff, let me know. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.